Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 254, Back to School. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, and astronauts, and leaders, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. Students, teachers, and parents, this episode is for you. NASA's Office of STEM Engagement, or Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math Engagement, leads an agency-wide back-to-school campaign every year to get young explorers excited about starting the new school year. Within the campaign, there are tons of resources and opportunities for students of all ages. Just last year alone, NASA reached over 39 million with their back-to-school efforts. Joining us today to talk more about student opportunities, we have the agency's Associate Administrator of NASA's Offices of STEM Engagement, Mike Kincaid. Mike oversees strategic direction and leadership for the office, which attracts and supports the involvement of students in the realization of NASA's unique missions, engaging America's educator students and institutions in these unique missions, ultimately contributing to NASA's mission success, as well as the nation's overall STEM education ecosystem. Mike has served NASA for 35 years now. He first joined NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, as an intern in 1987, and has led Johnson Space Center organizations in various capacities, including Director of Education, Deputy Director of Human Resources, and Deputy Chief Financial Officer. Prior to taking his current position, Kincaid was the Director of External Relations at JSC, my former boss. On this episode, we'll be learning more about the opportunities across the whole agency that are open to students throughout the school year. In particular, with Artemis 1 around the corner, we'll dive into Artemis mission-based student challenges happening across the country and how students can get involved with America's space agency. Hope you enjoy. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Mike Kincaid, thanks so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast today. Oh, it's Mike. I'm so excited to be here today. This is great. <laughs> it's so good to reconnect with you. Uh, you, uh, you know, you were at the Johnson Space Center for quite some time. You were here when I started my career, um, and so just wanted to check in. How have things been going for you as the uh, associate administrator? You know, overall, Greg, things are going great. I've been waiting for 254 weeks for this invite, but I'm finally. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I, I my time at JSC was, uh, you know, in fact, this this month is my 35th anniversary. Wow! And it's just been a great experience. But I, I love being at headquarters, and uh, I love helping make a difference for students across the country. I wanted to start off by exploring that a little bit, Mike, is um, uh, that that sort of passion. You've been with NASA for a very long time. And like we mentioned, you started um, for, for a while there. You were here at uh, Johnson Space Center as 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 my boss, really. But you started as a student and that that passion to reach out to students seemed to seem to never go away. I know you started, I think, in, in business, but I want to know sort of where your inspiration was for for pursuing business school, and then just sort of what you let you uh, get yeah. into NASA and then ultimately fall in love with it. Yeah, no, thanks, Gary. Thanks for the opportunity to, to talk about it. So, yeah, literally, I was thinking about this in an intern briefing we had last week. Hmm. 35 years ago this month, I started, showed up at Johnson Space Center as an intern at Human Resources. And um, while I always liked NASA, I had not been one of those kids who said, I'm going to work for NASA when I grow up. Actually, they showed up in my career for office at Texas A&M. And, hmm. um, 
I came and interviewed and I'm like, this would be a great assignment. And, and if I'm totally candid, um, I thought I'd just come for three semesters as an intern and then I would go someplace else because I just couldn't see myself working for the federal government for 30 years. But now as I look back on it, I've loved it. I've had a chance to do so many different things to interact with students. You know, I, I managed our intern program at Johnson Space Center for five or six years in the 90s. I, I led our education program. And it's really been NASA such an interesting way of connecting with students and teachers at all levels that it's really been fun. And, and I also have to say, my career has not always been in education. It's, I've also done stuff in education and communications and human resources and the CFO organization as well. So what I've appreciated about NASA is uh, the variety of tasks you can get involved with over a career. Yeah. You know, I've definitely found that sort of level of passion myself. I, I connect with you very, very easily, Mike, because I that's the same way I came to NASA was I wasn't necessarily looking for it, but they had a really they had a cool booth when I at my at the career fair at Penn State and uh I decided to go for it. But but same deal, I fell in love with it. I think the I think what's what stood out to me though is for me I I've I've danced a little bit with internal and external communications at least in my career. What I find interesting about yours is um uh you know it sounds like it sounds like it wasn't necessarily that you wanted to uh you know have be in the federal government for as long as you did, but what's interesting about your career is just the breadth that you've been able to explore. Like you said, mm-hmm. you you were in communications, you were in human resources. I think you did uh, a while with the chief um uh, financial officer, you've done, uh, and, and of course, you know, OSTEM. Uh, it just you, you've had a lot of different experiences, and and a lot of get, getting to explore some unique and very broad skill set. Perhaps, I mean, I wonder. I, it seems to me that's sort of why you stuck around. Is is it wasn't right. it wasn't necessarily the same. You sounds like you were always that's sort right. of learning something new and doing something different. That, you know, Gary, you're really pulling something important. I, I, I can think of two good friends of mine that start. we all started off in human resources about the same time, mm-hmm. and they're still doing human resources 30 years later, and they loved that. And, and the opportunity for them to grow deeper and move around within human resources, NASA provided the opportunity. But I, I've always been kind of a jack-of-all-trades. You know, I wanted to check out different things and see how we could make things run more smoothly, which is how I ended up in running internships or in and. CFO's organization or in uh, communications and external relations. And what I really appreciate about NASA is there's room for both. Mm. There's not a, well, you have to move around or you can't move around. It's really, there's some opportunities in both ways. And I think as people are listening today, whether you're with NASA or one of our contractors, it's a very, the, the ecosystem, the space ecosystem is so much more broad today than it was when I started 35 years ago. You know, back then it was you work for the government or you work for one of the big contractors, and now there's so many startups. It's it's a, it's a different world, and, and in a great way. You know, um, one I'm proud of being part of. I, I do say I want to go back, Gary. I remember when you started his office as an intern, and we're like, "Gosh, this guy's really sharp." I hope we can figure out how how to keep him. He's coming all the way down from Pennsylvania. He's got to live through a Houston summer. <laughs> we hope he won't disappear and go back to private industry. So I'm 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 grateful that what almost ten years later. You're still. You're it still is with this. Us, so. um, this this month is my 10 year anniversary. Um, huh? I I walked in the doors 10 years ago. 2012 was my first internship, and no, it, whatever you did, Mike, it worked. You, you sold me, and it's it's a it's it's a it's a little bit of that diverse experience, like you're saying, right? Getting to try a little bit of new. This the job is not stale. There's always something new to learn. I I, I seriously learn something new every day, and I think that's uh, that's something that I think is something that w- when it comes to careers. And when it comes to especially some of these things that you're doing with with STEM engagement, 
that seems to be a theme, right? Is this this constant pursuit of of learning and knowledge and and trying something new and maybe maybe even getting out of your comfort zone? I think I think mm-hmm. um you know it, not only is it true as exploring a career here, but I, I expect it to be something very similar in some of these initiatives that we're going to be talking about here today. Is 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 pushing those limits and really introducing folks to hey it's it's okay to try new things and 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 you know be bad at something because you're eventually going to learn how to be good at that you know I, I tell you Gary those, those are those are life skills that all of us have to keep working on yeah. what I think is unique what's so cool about NASA and what's kept me so engaged all these years is that we do all those things you just said but we do it as part of a NASA mission. And really, if you look at the Office of STEM Engagement, our goal is how do we get students and educators better connected to NASA's mission? So, so it's not, hey, we do internships for internships' sake. We do internships because we want students to be connected to NASA's mission. Mm-hmm. And we know that NASA's mission is going to be a stronger one if we get diverse viewpoints and diverse perspectives. You know, people who are in college, people who are just out of college, people who have been with us for 10 or 35 years, depending on who that might be, that, that range of experience is ultimately what what will make it possible for us to return to the moon and go on beyond. So is that sort of the genesis of your or the, the root maybe is the better word of your of your passion for why you are where you are right now because I know before this job you were you were my boss here in external relations but um what made you make that jump over to STEM engagement what drew you? It's a really good question. So, you know, as I look back on it you know, I've kind of always been in and out of STEM engagement. You know, we called it the, uh, back in the, when I started off as an intern, I worked at Human Resources. I've been on the job permanently for about three years, and they said, hey, would you run our intern program? So I ran our, the Johnson Space Center intern program we called co-ops at the time that you, you and I are both in. Mm-hmm. I did that for six years. And then I went off and did some HR stuff, and then I came back, and then I was what we called at the time the education director for Johnson Space Center. So how do we work with students and teachers in our in our nearby area using, you know, Johnson Space Center resources like shuttle and station at the time. Um, I think if you look back at all my jobs, you would see that there's a connection to wanting to help um, individuals get connected with what, what NASA's doing. So whether that was in human resources, helping us find the right people, or whether it was next-term relations, talking to members of Congress or the media or students, it's really how does NASA engage with the outside world? So, mm-hmm. I never got up and said, you know what, my goal is to be the associate administrator for the Office of STEM Engagement. That was never one of my goals. Hmm. But as I kept going on, I kept thinking, you know what, we we really do some really cool stuff here. And if we could package this in a way that would resonate for the average American, um, let alone st- and in this in this particular role, you know, connect with students and educators, that's a pretty cool thing. It's something I've enjoyed doing. Well, let's explore that a little bit more then. This uh, Office of STEM Engagement, right? That seem, uh, We're getting a sense of what the mission is, what the, what are the goals of the, the entire office itself. And you uh, being in the perfect position to, to explore this, see not just that Johnson Space Center aspect, which is, which is really my focus, but, but you're looking at agency-wide. What is the agency doing and what is the agency right. mission when it comes to STEM engagement? So, so what, what is that? What is the purpose yeah, and what is, the, what is the goals, uh, the core drivers of, of STEM engagement? So throughout this podcast, I'll keep talking about stem.nasa.gov. So if someone's listening today and they go to stem.nasa.gov, they'll find all the different ways that you can interact with us. And there's lots of different ways. In the Office of STEM Engagement, there are, there are things that happen within mission directorates, or you know, whether it's science mission directorate or 
International Space Station, different organizations have different activities, but you'll be able, you should be able to find all of it, stem.nasa.gov. It integrates, the goal is to integrate everything we have. Now, our office in particular, there's a couple of things people may have, you know, if they've ever seen a downlink from Space Station to educators, that, that would be us. If they've worked with a space grant in their particular state, um, we, we send a little less than eight or $900,000 a year to every state to integrate NASA activities within that state. And obviously, that's going to look different in Nebraska or Montana than it will in California or Texas or Florida, where we have bigger populations and uh, NASA presences. Sure. NASA presence, but we do want to work with students uh, in all those different ways. And and there's a it's hard to describe it quickly because there's so many different ways that NASA uh, works with university uh, with universities. We also have a particular emphasis. In minority universities, how do we reach minority-serving populations, uh, minority-serving institutions that are reaching minority populations? And so that's a focus area for us as well. We, we, we want people who are coming to work for NASA to reflect our full society in America and not just uh, some segments of it. So if you pull back and, and think about that, uh, you know, you're mentioning like coming to NASA, right? And I'm sure that 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 is definitely one of the goals here is is reaching out, getting folks interested in science, technology, engineering, math, and then ultimately mm-hmm. maybe they maybe they are like you and I, where they dedicate they mm-hmm. dedicate a career to it. But I think there's a there's maybe a broader aspect to this, right? Is is these are these are core skills that we want in the American workforce, right? And so, so I, I wanted to see, you know, when when you look at the overall impact, when you look at you know statistics of the landscape of how reach, NASA is reaching out to all of these different, as you mentioned, many many different states and many different ways to many different age groups and students and 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 different groups. When you when you pull back and you look at that, what is truly the, the impact of NASA's STEM engagement mm-hmm. on the American population? Yeah, we know that we know that this last year we reached three million students uh, in mm. in twenty twenty one. So the opportunity to really be able to connect with students in so many different ways, like you described, is is definitely our goal. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, so if you go to a website, if you Google Join Artemis, that's one of the ways that students and educators can get involved with Artemis. Mm. Uh, we also have something called GLOBE, which our, our colleagues and our science manage, and it's how do we measure tree canopies and different aspects of the climate. And and back to your earlier point, if 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 our office if our office's goal was solely to fill jobs at NASA, we would shut down tomorrow because we don't have a problem filling jobs at NASA. Our goal is to use NASA's mission to engage students to think about how they can get involved in STEM. I could personally, if a student goes on and they download the Globe app and they get interested in climate change and they end up as a climatologist someplace or working for NOAA or working for private industry project, you know, projecting weather patterns, that's a win in my mind. You know, mm-hmm. we don't, you don't have to end up in space for this to be a success. Yeah, it's the idea. Yeah, that, that these these skills are important, right? These skills are very important for for the reasons that you're 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 pointing out. These are they're very highly technical skills, and I mean, so so for me personally, right? When I'm thinking about some of these opportunities, I honestly get jealous, right? Because um, I, there were there were a couple. And maybe maybe it was maybe a lack of awareness. Uh, perhaps it was a lack of interest, but I don't I don't think it was because I remember attending like an engineering fair. It just wasn't it wasn't something that was f- the, at the forefront in my mind as an opportunity that maybe I should explore. Right. The only thing I knew was like you know math class, which I struggled with a little bit. But but the the idea that maybe there are these other programs, other ways to not only 
just show students that these are possible careers that they can dedicate their their lives to, but that it's fun and that it's engaging and that they there's a breadth of opportunities. That's uh, to me. That's sort of the 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 the, the catch here is there's there's it, it it goes beyond I think what maybe folks may think it is. You know, Gary, you, you, your your comments there remind me of two things. I'll tell you a two personal story. So, so I often tell a story to college, high schools, or to high school students. When I went off to, to Texas A and M, I started off in engineering because people told me I was good at math and science. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my freshman year, I switched to business because I thought business people dealt with people, and engineers sat behind. They worked in laboratories or sat behind computer terminals. And I tell people I didn't make a bad choice. I made an ignorant choice. I just didn't know what engineers did. Mm. And I came from a, you know upper middle class family that had engineers around me. So I, it's not as if I couldn't have known. I just didn't. I just never understood it. And and I think as a society we have a hard time seeing that. I'll tell you a more a more closer to home story is I have a fourteen year old daughter. She is so good at fixing things, and she wonders how things work. And when her dad, who does STEM, you know, talks about STEM and students every single day talks about STEM, she rolls her eyes and she goes, Dad, I don't like math. And, and we, we have such a hard time, I think, helping kids understand that you don't have to love going to math and taking math tests to be good at an engineer or scientist. You know, you might just have mm-hmm. to be curious about things or wonder how things work. So I think, I think again, where NASA can make a difference is to to use NASA's mission to get a kid to think about, well, I don't like math or I don't like science or really what they're saying is I don't like Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so who teaches me. Sometimes it's really more about the experience they're having and not the content itself. Um, If we can help them see, hey, I may not like that, but I like to figure this thing out. We're we're working on a thing right now with my daughter where we're launching um, rockets, you know, where we're actually building um, rockets by hand. Well, that's kind of cool, you know, to build a rocket and launch it or 400 feet into the air, that's kind of interesting. So how do we, how do we help people in this country, uh, students in this country, be able to see what they could do, you know? So important. Yeah, let's 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 dive into that a little bit. So so part of the, what, what we're going to be talking about in, in this episode is really, and apparently you guys do this every year, um, but it is, it is a push for to to reach out to the student population and say, look at all of the different ways that you can engage with science, technology, engineering, math. Look at and and not just in this way, right? I might not be interested in in math, but I might I might want to still explore STEM career, but maybe just you know there there are other opportunities beyond what I think is just a very heavily math based focused right. um, opportunities like that. So so as part of this campaign, reaching back out to school and sh- sharing the opportunities, yep. what are some of those things? What are some of those ways that you're engaging with students of all ages um, to to show them just how they can get involved in this? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, the three words that my daughter hates to hear back to school, but that we really have spent some time thinking about what, what are things we can tell educators, what are things we can tell teachers, and, I'm sorry, students, and what can we tell educators, and and what can they specifically do? It's one thing, and by the way, I think all these, it's good to have social media showing pictures of students that look like our target audiences, with where you see people at NASA who are doing things that they could react to, that relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing seeing interns doing cool stuff, I think is fun. So there's lots of different social media aspects, you know, and someone listening to this, if you're not following us, if you do a search on NASA STEM on Facebook or Twitter, Pinterest, actually Pinterest is one of our biggest audiences because it's where so many educators find lesson materials. Hmm. 
but we also have, and then we have a YouTube channel. So there's lots of places. If you do a NASA STEM, we would love for you to, to follow and see our social media aspects. And by the time this podcast comes out, we will be in our third week of our, our efforts to engage students and educators in our back-to-school content. So there are lots of ways. If you're an educator listening, we have something called NASA Express. Every Thursday morning, we send an email out to about 53,000 um, mostly educators across the country saying, hey, here's things coming up right now. Um, what, I, what I see is NASA, stem.nasa.gov is a website that has all of our content wherever it might be, but it may not be things we're doing right now, whereas STEM Express or uh, NASA, NASA Express comes out on Thursday mornings, that's really looking at, okay, what can you get involved with right now? What are things that are happening? And as we're talking, for example, one of the things I'll mention is uh, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll be restarting our eight-week Artemis learning pathway for educators. So it's eight weeks of, hey, what is Artemis? What's a launch rocket? What's Orion do? Why, why would your students be interested in this? It'll come out every Tuesday morning. It'll start August 23rd. Um, if you're listening, if you know an educator or you are an educator, we would so love to have you join us and, and get this content. Um, you know, our Artemis is scheduled about the time this, this podcast comes out. And so to be able to engage students in this massive rocket as it, you know, orbits the moon and comes back, this is, this is amazing stuff. It's an amazing moment for us to be able to connect with students in a way that um, is not something you can do every day. So it sounds like when, when, when you're talking about connecting, right, I'm thinking about the different ways to do that. There seems to be a mix of um, maybe reaching out to the teaching community and giving them lesson mm-hmm. plan and materials to bring into the classroom. Is there also opportunities for, you know, students to travel to different locations and actually get, you know, hands-on some, some equipment? Yeah. How, 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 are you, how are you balancing some of these different opportunities? Yeah, you know, it's a really great observation. You know, we start off talking in this podcast about internships, right? So that's right. one way. But then we talk about K-12 and evolving students. But you're right. There's a whole bunch of things in between uh, for at the high school and college level. Again, if you go to stem.nasa.gov, it'll give you some ability to toggle. You can pick kind of, hey, what are you doing for high school kids? What are you doing for college students? What are you doing for postdocs? Those are all opportunities that people can kind of go search for. I, I, I'm personally very excited about something called the Artemis student challenges. Uh, these, are, these are activities that in some cases we've had for 25 years, but we've been, we've been bringing them together under a common brand of Artemis, learning cha- Artemis student challenges, where, for example, at the Johnson Space Center, you guys have two that I think are really cool. One is the uh, MicroG Next, where we ask college students across the country to help us solve NASA problems uh, or challenges. And, and my favorite one is we were trying to um, figure out how do you cut a zip tie in space. You know, we, back in the early 2000s when we were shipping stuff to uh, installing equipment on board the International Space Station, they used zip ties to hold things in place. Well, if you and I are on the ground and you want to cut a zip tie, it's no big deal. You just do it. But if you're in space and you're wearing a bulky glove and you're outside, that's not an easy thing. And when you cut the zip tie, now you have this little projectile moving at 17,000 miles an hour. Uh, so you got to really think about this. And so the, the ISS came to us and said, "Hey, we want to get students across the team across the country to help us design how they would solve this." And we had probably, I think that year we had twenty te- nineteen teams, twenty teams, and there were different challenges. There were about half dozen teams that picked this one challenge. And and the winning team, it's so fascinating. It's actually a group of students 
from uh, a community college there in Texas on the other side of Houston. And it was two young women who had just graduated high school and they were in their first year of uh, community college. And there was a, a gentleman who was, I'll just say, later in career where he's going back to school. He'd been a technician for probably 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then there are a couple others on the t- extended members of the team as well. And, and these very um, diverse group of students came up with a design that beat out all these big-name four-year universities that I won't say a lot. <laughs> and, and we actually, they won, their, their prototype won, and we flew it on board the International Space Station, and we cut zip ties um, in the fall of 2019. So here's an example where students had a, no kidding, NASA has this problem, help us think through it, work in teams, figure out how to do that. And that's, that's just one example. We, we have some examples, um, rover challenge, where students will build a rover and, and race it. It has to be a, a, a male and a female um, driver of this bicycle, basically. They have to be bicycle-powered, and they have to get around a half-mile um, course. And they have to think through all the challenges that go along with it. We have another one called uh, Student Launch Initiative, where they, they build these eight-foot rockets and we launched them about 5,000, about a mile, about 5,000 feet in the air there at Huntsville. So there are these lots of different ways that college students can get involved. While, while you and I would love to tell stories about our internships, and I think, you know, I think we had, I think we counted 6,000 interns last year, which included those who worked at NASA centers, wow. plus those who were supported by space grants in their particular state. While those 6,000 internships are awesome, there's so many other ways you can get involved. Whether it's with us or with a, maybe if you're on college, you get involved with the Students for the Exploration and Development of Space or SEDS or an AIAA chapter or ASME. There's a bunch of different organizations out there that that bring students together to use that use space and connect them with um, hands-on activities. Is it? Um, I'm sort of picking up on a theme here. Like you're mentioning a lot of different things, right? There's this challenge. There's this challenge. There's the opportunity to, to come to NASA to work on an internship. What I'm, what I'm sort of picking up on is, you know, I'm, I'm going back to this theme of why why are we doing all of this? Why are why are um, why are we why do we have all of these different challenges? Right, that, these very unique opportunities. And, it's, and I and what I'm picking up on is there's a there's a healthy mix of we have challenges, we have problems that we want to solve, and the student community is creative enough, young enough to, to maybe tackle some things that, that we want to tackle and solve different problems because there's, there's, there's a healthy mix of that. But it seems like also the more that you do this, the wider the opportunity becomes. You mentioned 6,000 interns, right? That's certainly a lot. That's a, that's a big number. But that, that means that there's, you know, there's plenty of interns that maybe didn't get the opportunity. And there's other ones that maybe didn't hear about the opportunity because they maybe that's heard right. about another opportunity. So is it, am I right in reading that this is a, this is a mix of maybe so, solving challenges, having all of these different opportunities, very unique opportunities to maybe right. have find, folks find their interest. And then the more that you do, the wider the reach becomes. More people get access to it. You can access different age groups uh, with different talents and different different ways to communicate. It's really about widening, widening and broadening the, the reach as much as possible. You know, Gary, you're, you're exactly right. And I would say that there's three I'll call call them buckets, but they're actually three elements of our strategic plan of what we're trying to do. The first one is engaging students to help us solve NASA challenges. And so that's that's interns. That's Mm -hmm. some of these challenges, activities. It's really, hey, here's a NASA thing. Can you come help us? It's people helping with their senior design project. Those are concrete examples of them making a contribution to to the nation's space program. 
the, the middle strategy is how do we use NASA content as an example for people to learn? So that might be a high school student using some data that we have on the Globe app uh, for uh, global warming, right? They might be using some climate measurements. And so they're using a NASA set of materials or data to better understand learning concepts. And the third general area is how do you attract students? How do you spark their interest in STEM? And I tend to think about, you know, fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth graders because that's where, that's where studies tell us so many students make choices away from STEM in that late elementary, middle school area. Mm-hmm. So we spend a lot of time talking about how do you reach them. But you're exactly right. It's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It really kind of depends on where someone is in that conveyor belt, if you will, of life. You know, are they thinking of, are they like my 14-year-old who has to be interested in STEM but kind of thinks maybe she could do this? Or is it someone who's already in a, in a degree and is trying to get some experience and help NASA? All, all those things fit. The other thing you said, which I think is important to, you, you briefly mentioned this, we don't do this alone, right? Mm-hmm. We create, we help feed this ecosystem, if you will, but a lot of people help us, not only inside NASA, but other agencies. You know, we partner with the Department of Education, like this whole back to school campaign I talked about before. Department of Ed is helping us push this content to their network of educators, or NOAA is helping us with some of our climate work. So, so other federal agencies get involved. We also work with external organizations. So it might be the Girl Scouts. They've, they, they put together a series of STEM badges. And I think there's, I think if I can remember this correctly, there's 12 of them total and four of them have NASA components. And those four are like 200,000 badges have been completed in the STEM area around the NASA one. It's 40% of their total. So, so when we can go partner with other organizations to help us reach students and use NASA as kind of a, a backdrop, that's a win. It doesn't have to be, well, again, I'm going to mention stem.nasa.gov. There's so many other partners that are helping us. Discovery Education, for example, they their biggest day, their biggest broadcast day was when we landed the rover on Mars. That was their biggest biggest number of watchers of their Discovery Channel, of, of Discovery Education, which is a, a subsidiary or a, a nonprofit arm of Discovery Channel. So, you know, we really do work with lots of people to to help make a difference, uh, students of all ages. It's amazing the the reach, and it's it's clear to me, you know, why why sort of you're doing what you're doing. I want to take some of these core values that that you're mentioning and all the different experiences, and for a second, focus them on this, you know, back to school campaign, and then particularly, I do want to explore this these Artemis challenges because I thought we, what you find. <laughs> What you found, uh, what, what what I found unique was you talked about the Artemis challenges being a set of things that have been around for a while. I think you, you mentioned maybe 25 years and, um, and and putting them, rebranding them into this, these, uh, making them related to Artemis. And I wonder, uh, Artemis is going to be, you know, by the, especially by the time this, this episode comes out, we're, there's a lot of people that are going to be focusing on, on Artemis. The first uh, Artemis one launch is going to be around the corner is going to be, I think, very exciting, very engaging. I know we're seeing it from our, the communications arm, um, all over the place. There's just so many people that are, that are interested in that. And I think what's unique about, um, office of STEM engagement is you're talking about programs to help get students involved in in this massive effort of sustainably returning humans to the moon and then going on eventually to Mars, so so taking these core values and thinking about the back to school amount, thinking about the the Artemis and how students can actually contribute to this fantastic mission, this fantastic endeavor. 
Um, what are some of the things you guys have planned? Yeah, so so we are always as as we go into the fall semester, we're always looking for new student teams to be part of the Artemis Student Challenges, and I, I think there's eight or nine of them. We're adding an app development challenge that will have middle school and high school options. And again, stem.nasa.gov will help you find all these because they're because they're some are most are college, some have some high school elements to it. You know, but but what's common to all of them is is I've had a chance now to visit almost all of them in person. Now that you know, we had to kind of go into hiatus during COVID. We turned mm-hmm. these into virtual options. Yeah, and it's so much better when you have students showing up at the neutral buoyancy lab there in Houston with their um, contraptions, their inventions that they right. created to solve a problem for NASA. And the excitement that you hear and the challenges they talk about, Michael. Like, you know, this this. This pro- they'll hand me this this contraption, and you're trying to manipulate it, just like the diver would. Who's let me back up a second. So the neutral buoyancy lab is a huge pool, 40 feet right. deep, 100 feet long, huge pool. And so students will design these these products that our divers will use in the pool to simulate what it might be like for an astronaut to use it, um, either in space or on the Mar- Martian surface someday, or on the lunar surface. And so students are showing up, and they have these, these they have their inventions, and they're telling you all about it. And and the learning that comes through it is not just the are, are they excited about having a team of five of them? I can remember this four four students from Iowa State. They were so excited about being in Houston, first time most of them had even been in, in Texas, Lowland uh, Johnson Space Center, and they're telling about their project. They're, the learning is not just with Artemis, right? The learning is working as a team. Uh, having a chance to kind of think through what are they trying to accomplish, mm. having a schedule. Those are all things that all of us live with every day. So the, the Artemis Student Challenges to me are not just a way to make a contribution to NASA. They're also these great learning opportunities for students of all different kinds of backgrounds uh, to join us and to, uh, to help us think through some of these engineering challenges that, we're, that we face. When you think about the perhaps um, biases or, or uh, preconceived notions of what, what would interest students in, in these opportunities and, and who, who you would be reaching out to in order to contribute to NASA. What are some of the surprising things that you find? You mentioned going out in person and you mentioned, uh, you know, reaching out to diverse people. What, what are some of the surprising things that folks may not realize in terms of who it is really that ultimately is participating in a lot of these um, efforts? You, you know, I think I think when I see people be impacted is when they see someone like themselves doing something that they thought was unachievable. Hmm. And like an example that comes to mind is a young lady telling a story. Jessica Watkins is currently on board the International Space Station. Uh, first African-American female to do a long-duration uh, ISS time period. And I, I think I'm, I might have even, you might have even been, at, she might have been on your podcast that I was listening to recently. Mm-hmm. So, so to hear, you know, middle school students see someone like that go, well, this seems possible. This seems doable. I, I Maybe I could do this. The opportunity to really kind of think through and see themselves in it, that, that to me is the real power, the real magic of this. Uh, that happens. And so the more that the agency can find people that can be um, approachable and like, you know, when, when we introduce the, the guy who has seven degrees from MIT, that's kind of hard for most people to relate to. Mm-hmm. But when we can show people who are average folks, maybe people went to Penn State and majored in marketing <laughs> or people went to Texas A&M majored in business management. When you can see 
well, if those guys can do this, maybe maybe there's a place for me. You know, maybe I don't have to be uh, Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Maybe maybe there's a pretty wide aperture of the kinds of people that work at NASA and 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 all of our partners, whether that's Boeing or SpaceX or the whole host of different organizations that live in this this uh, space community. Yeah, it's it's that this idea. I I I understand the the logic of, of really what you're going for is. Space is more accessible than maybe people think, you know, exactly what you're saying. Like, you don't necessarily have to be a super genius. I mean, we welcome the super geniuses, obviously, but but it's 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 more to that, right? There's, like you said, like, I mean, you in particular, you've been all over NASA in areas that people probably don't even think about. They probably think scientists, engineers, astronauts, you know, they, they, that's really what they think about when they think about NASA. But there's a whole finance component, right? There's a whole human resources. There's, there's communications. There's... There's, there's education and STEM engagement. There are so many different ways that that people with talents that that may not realize that they could work at NASA or contribute um, to you know thing even even just the whole community outside of NASA. You mentioned Boeing, some from international uh, our commercial partners, and there's there's so many different ways for folks to get involved. I think maybe. Opening students' eyes to that seems to seems to be probably another driver behind all of these efforts. Uh, you're exactly right. And, and um, again, add to there's lots of different roles here and there's lots of different partners who are helping us uh, make mm-hmm. a difference every day. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned going out and seeing some of these now that, uh, you know, COVID, of course, made uh, turned a lot of these opportunities into virtual. But you mentioned that things are things are opening back up. And, and of course, um, you've been in the role for a bit. So I, so I expect you've seen, you know, some of these opportunities pre-COVID as well um, in terms of, you know, how students engage and 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 how they feel when they're doing these things. That's that's really, I think, a unique thing. I remember recently talking to Chris Brown, actually, on one of our recent mm-hmm. podcasts and, and asking her about some of her experiences because I think, to, to me, one of the things that's one of the best parts about being in a position like you and I are in is is the people component, right? Just mm-hmm. you, you get to reach out to people and and help them to maybe or guide them to to do something with their lives that maybe they were passionate about but didn't necessarily know about or, or teach them something new. And to see that spark of inspiration uh, in their eyes whenever they're you're, you're talking to them or maybe when they're they're working on one of these challenges or they, they won a challenge you know that that level of excitement I wonder I wonder if you have a moment like that that maybe sticks out to you that says all right this is this is sort of why I do what I do you know there's there's a lot of those moments it's hard to pick one 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 I kind of talked about one before this this community college team that came together to create the zip tie cutter mm-hmm. and I followed them. Yeah, you know, this is, they, they did this back in 2018 and now they're graduating from college and in different career paths, you know, and so it's fun to see kind of where they end up. One was just graduating actually this month and is looking for full-time employment in Houston. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting to see how that works. I, I also would say that everyone listening to this podcast, if you're listening to Houston, we have a podcast, you probably have an interest in NASA. And you probably have communities around you who may or may not find it as cool as you do. And I, I would just ask people to think about what is it their passion area, and maybe if they just wouldn't talk to one other student about what is it that they thought was cool. Um, for me, it's my 14-year-old daughter, and I, I have a friend of mine who's an electrical engineer, uh, works in the aerospace business, and we worked out a way where we were building rockets um, to have our kids, our, our two daughters, build these rockets and launch them in the backyard. And and 
I couldn't have done that on my own, right? Because even though I've worked for NASA for 35 years, I'm I'm not a technical person. I could I guess I could have followed the instructions, but it's so great partnering with someone who had these these skills here, and together we could we could do, make a difference. So I would just ask people if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, I'm interested in STEM, or I know people that are interested in STEM, or I would like to help people get interested in STEM. I hope you'll use some of the NASA resources because. Uh, the, the folks in the Office of STEM Engagement working by ourselves can't make a difference. This country has a, has a significant issue, a significant gap in the number of people that we need in, with STEM uh, degrees, and, and even those who un, have a STEM appreciation. It's, it's a growing and continual need. But people listening to this podcast might be able to make a difference you know, uh, in, the, in the community around them. I like to tell interns, I would love for you to send pictures of what you're doing to people on your social media accounts because NASA ones are cool, but they're not accessible. They're not, they're not, sometimes they're not relatable because it's not me. Mm. But when, hey, this guy that I grew up with, now he's working at NASA Goddard and he sends this picture of how he's in a clean room looking at, you know, the Nancy Grace Roman telescope. That's pretty cool. Like if he can, I knew that guy when he was in middle school and if he can do that, I could do this, you know? Mm. So so I think people listening to this podcast that they've made it this far into it, they're really our most important partners in this. How, how, if we're going to make a difference to students, all of us have to to go talk to a couple of people and just and to see what kind of difference we can make. And in this episode, we'll um, if, if for for those that have made it this far, we'll put a bunch of link, links in the um, episode webpage too. So if you're like, hey, I. I'm de- I definitely remember stem.nasa.gov, but I don't remember everything else. Uh, so so we'll right. we'll put it so it's just easy. You can just go to the webisode, episode webpage and click. Um, for for you though, I mean, it seems like um, in your position, I think one's uh, there. There's a level of responsibility and and maybe just long term strategic vision of of where you hope to be, what you hope to do. And you mentioned the the breadth of programs and, and this this push for the back-to-school campaign, not just for NASA, but you said you're partnering um, with different agencies to, to really expand this and, and make this possible. In your leadership position, I wonder, what are your goals for the Office of STEM Engagement? What do you hope? Mm-hmm. You said you've been at NASA for 35 years. That's a long time. but And you've been in this position for, for quite some time too. But I wonder what you want to leave your position knowing that you have have done have made a contribution have done something what are your what are your long term strategic goals for for stem engagement you know Gary, that's a really great question and and, and i'd answer it a couple of different ways what one is getting the right people in the right jobs that's definitely something that we've spent some time with mm-hmm. and i think even more important is how do we use the investments that congress gives us appropriates our budget last year was $137 million. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It goes out to minor universities. It goes out to space grant organizations. It goes out to uh, museums and science centers. It goes out lots of different ways. And while I'm proud about that investment, the more that we can connect that to NASA's mission, the more that NASA's mission can ooze through those um, those grants to states to help help space grants be more connected to what NASA is doing, so they can talk to students on Native American reservations and rural areas and urban areas and you know minority serving places like Puerto Rico. I mean, those are all things that really matter. And so I, I'm proud of the work the team has done to try to bring these efforts together. You know, like STEM.NASA.gov didn't exist five years ago. We, you had to go basically Google was your friend. You had to kind of know what you're looking for and Google would help you find it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not perfect yet by any stretch of imagination, but virtually everything we're doing at the agency you can find somehow in stem.nest.co. And, and I think I see a real passion around we have these really cool opportunities. How do we get that in front of students? And we do that through NASA Express, through educators. We do it through partners like Discovery and Girl Scouts. We do it through podcasts like today where interested people can help us tell the story. Those are things that get me really excited is how do we, how do we leverage the cool things NASA is doing so that uh, students across the country can say, hey, I can do that. I can be part of that. This is something that's, that's achievable for me. Amazing. That, that's, that's really exciting to me. And I hope I really do hope our listeners sort of walk away with with that idea that this is something that I that I can do. I mean, even with just a little bit of an interest, I think it's at least worth exploring some of some of the different opportunities to see what what may most interest you and what what's you know where depending on where you are in the United States where where you are able to contribute most and what what is most fascinating to you, Mike and Kate. If you had to sort of leave our audience with with some some ideas, some nuggets, some some piece of advice. You know, I think we've we've explored a lot today with with this back to school mm-hmm. campaign and the different things that that we're doing. But maybe for those that at this point are still sort of hesitant, um, uh, or or maybe just a, a piece that maybe we have been missing throughout throughout our discussions today. What would you leave some of our student, teacher, educator, um, audience, parents, what would you leave our audience with um, that you think would, um, would be a nice way to, to wrap up our, our great conversation here today? So, you know, what's funny is, is um, I don't know why this came to me, but, uh, you know, we often at Johnson Space Center use that phrase, failure is not an option. Mm. And actually, I think in some cases that's true. But in many cases, failure is, is definitely an option. I'd rather try something out and make it better than to not try it. And I have, I have, a, I have a funny story because I've known about Houston. We have a podcast. He started this right after I came to Washington, D.C. in this role. Mm-hmm. And I remember someone telling me, hey, Gary's going to start this podcast. And I remember thinking to myself, a podcast? That's like, didn't we do this like 10 years ago? Like, who cares about <laughs> podcasts anymore? And, and I remember thinking, if you'd asked me at the time, I would have said, this doesn't really make sense. But, but you were ahead of something. You were already thinking about that people are looking to get their information in new and different ways. And, you know, I'm glad that on episode 254, I finally got my invite to be part of Maybe if I had been an early uh, proponent of a podcast. If you were a believer, would, Mike. If you were a believer. If I was a believer, you would invite <laughs> me earlier. But, but, but I, I say that kind of jokingly, but kind of not. You know, we got right. to try new things. Yeah. And so I hope this conversation, you know, at NASA, we are trying new things. We try things that are hard. And people that are listening are part of that process. And if we're going to engage students, we got to try things that are hard. You know what? Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's going to be a great idea in 254 episodes here. We're still going strong, you know, and, and sometimes it's not going to work, but it's going to lead us to the thing that will work. And so I, I, I think that'd be, that'd be my message is that failure is an option as long as we're, we're continually setting out to do something that's new and different and connecting with people um, in a way that makes a difference in their everyday lives. And, and whether it's through this podcast, whether it's through STEM activities, whether it's you know, watching the first woman or the person of color step out on the lunar surface someday. I mean, those are going to be milestones mm-hmm. that that we will remember for the rest of our lives. And, and I'm proud to be a part of that. What a perfect way to end the episode. Mike Kincaid, thank you so much for ha- coming on the podcast. It was it was great to talk to you. Uh, re- really great to reconnect. And, and um, I, I certainly... I, I certainly found it inspiring to 
the the level of um, the number really of opportunities that are available. And um, it was just it was just great to talk to you. I hope you're doing well, and it was great to have uh, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining. Hudson, he's right back at you, Gary. It's great talking to you. It's great to watch your career continue to to do great things. I Thanks, Gary, so much. That, Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for sticking around. It was great to uh, reconnect with my former boss, Mike Kincaid, today. Really great guy, and I hope you uh, enjoyed our conversation about all the unique opportunities uh, we have here at NASA. Of course, there were a lot of resources that were really mentioned throughout the entire episode. I would just encourage you to go to our episode webpage. Just look at uh, Houston, we have a podcast, um, Back to School, episode 254, and it'll pop up, and that's our episode webpage. And we'll just put the links of all the different places that uh, we've mentioned on today's episode. But if there's one you can walk away with and you don't necessarily have to navigate to that page, it's stem.nasa.gov. Uh, you can also listen to many of our other episodes on nasa.gov slash podcast. That's where we are listed, and you can listen to any of our episodes in no particular order. There are also other podcasts across the whole agency uh, that you can follow and engage with. If you want to talk to us, we're on social media, on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can use the hashtag AskNASA on any one of those platforms to submit an idea for the show, just make sure to mention it's for Houston. We have a podcast. This episode was recorded on August 3rd, 2022. Thanks to Will Flato, Pat Ryan, Heidi Lavelle, Belinda Polito, Jaden Jennings, and Kelly Kalagna. And of course, thanks again to Mike Kincaid for coming on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you are listening to us on and tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.